When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. DaveJonesInc.com It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, it looks like everybody picked up a little bit of snow over the weekend. Uh, Up in northern Wisconsin, northwest Wisconsin, they picked up maybe an inch, two inches. Then the farther south that you traveled, the more snow that we picked up. Uh, Milwaukee area probably picking up closer to eight inches of snow. Chicago, they picked up about nine inches of snow. And it pales in comparison to what they're going to see in the northeast for today. Kind of a nor'easter that developed out of the storm that we had over the weekend. How are you, everybody? Fabulous Farm Bay PM Yankee. So glad you're along with us. Yeah, for today, we're calling for partly sunny skies. Still going to be cold. 28 are expected high. Tomorrow, partly sunny. 30 degrees. Wednesday, partly sunny in the morning. And then as the afternoon rolls in, good chance that we could start to pick up some snow. Probably daytime highs around 31. We'll be talking weather with our man Stumach Ag Meteorologist coming up. That's in about 10 minutes or so. How are things going in Eau Claire at the northern end of the world's longest barn? Bob Bosol joins the Midwest Farm Report in just moments to update you on the latest agriculture happenings. Boost agriculture production in 2021 by optimizing operations with Focus on Energy. Focus on Energy partners with Wisconsin Utilities to offer farmers the resources to identify energy efficiency upgrades and cash incentives to make it happen. Get started today by contacting your energy advisor. Call 888-623-2146 or visit focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness to learn more. That's focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness, Focus on Energy, helping farmers grow since 2001. We're living with it, we're managing through it, and we're trying to get vaccinated against it. Of course, everybody's still focused in on the pandemic and COVID-19. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And, you know, there will be books written about what this has done to and for our economy, our families, our mental health. And, you know, the question of its impact on Wisconsin agriculture is something that still we still don't have a lot of answers on, Bob, because like I said, we're still kind of living through it. But that doesn't mean we can't ask the questions, huh? That's for sure. And hopefully we'll have some answers too, Pam. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And every year, of course, farmers are used to answering questionnaires, surveying about their production practices, about their farm expenses. And this year is no different. We're right in the middle of one of those production cost surveys right now. And uh, Greg Bussler is the state statistician in Wisconsin. We talked to him about the survey that's going on right now. Farmers actually got it, uh, not all farmers in the state, but a good number got these uh, in December. And as of now, February 1st, they got to be sending them in. And if you hadn't already, they're going to call you. Now you got to fill it out on your own because of COVID. They can't help you. The NAS personnel can't really help you with that too much. But again, besides the regular production, they want to find out how COVID has has, uh, caused changes possibly in our farming operation. And we talked about that with Greg, but we asked him basically, get us started on what, again, these surveys are trying to find out. Basically, it's a survey that we do annually, and it uh, measures uh, uh, 
how well farms are doing financially, uh, as far as uh, what their uh, production was the past year, what their income was, and what their expenses are. So it's kind of like a, a health uh, report card for the shape of the uh, farm sector. The farmers that have been selected in Wisconsin, about 1,350, are they randomly selected, or do we select a few large ones, a few intermediate, a few smaller farmers? How is a decision made as to who gets those surveys? Uh, basically, it's a, a random selection, and um, depending on what the farming operation has, those types of things, uh, generally uh, larger farmers uh, get uh, selected more often uh, than not. We uh, try not to have a operation get selected every year. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they, every other year at, uh, they may get selected. Now, as far as the questionnaires were sent out in December, for those that have sent them back, that's good. But for those that didn't send them back next month, they can expect a knock on the door or a phone call. What will they? Uh, what will they be getting? Sure. Uh, basically, uh, what we'll uh, have is our uh, interviewers uh, contact them over the phone and uh, try and set up a time and see if they have any questions on completing it. Um, and we won't uh, be visiting anybody uh, in person uh, because of uh, uh, COVID-19. Uh, I'll be done over the uh, phone. So, um, and We'll do it at the farmer's convenience. If they don't have their records quite done yet, we'll schedule an interview for uh, when they have their records done. And, uh, uh, you know, whatever uh, fits the uh, respondents' schedule the best is when we'll try and do the interviews. So give us a little more in-depth of how in-depth, I guess, this survey really goes into what areas of the farm and farm life. Sure. Uh, basically, uh, what it does is ask you about all the uh, crops that you produced the past year, uh, what the acreages and uh, uh, production was, how much of that crop you sold, how much you used on hand, uh, how many livestock you had, and how many livestock you produced, what your milk production was, uh, what are your expenses uh, for all aspects of the uh, farming operation as far as from purchasing seed and feed and uh, fertilizer, chemicals, that type of things, what your labor costs are, how much you spent on machinery, and uh, those types of things. So this is a pretty in-depth survey. Right, right. Uh, basically, if a, a farmer had their uh, tax records in front of them, that would uh, uh, help them uh, complete the uh, survey. As we look at this survey, it goes out every year. Is it the same exact questions? Do we add a little bit to every year? I mean, is there something on this for 2020 that wasn't on 2019 as far as any aspects of farm production or farm operations? Uh, overall, the survey's uh, pretty much the same there. Uh, what's different this year is uh, we're going to be asking some questions on how uh, COVID-19 impacted their uh, farming operation and household finances, uh, those types of things. If, uh, you know, their off-farm employment was affected by it or health insurance or if they uh, received any uh, uh, payments uh, related to COVID-19. So uh, that's 
the uh, big difference this year compared to previous years. Now, this is a Wisconsin-focused survey for those 1,350 farmers, but this is a national survey. Same questions go out to farmers all over the country. Is that right? Right. Uh, uh, if, if you're a farmer in Wisconsin or any other state in the uh, U.S., you'll be asked the same questions. And as we go forward, these things have to be filled out. I mean, farmers always worry about giving away their information, but they don't have to worry about that, do they? No, they they don't, Bob. Uh, basically, it's a voluntary survey, but uh, you know we'd like uh, farmers to uh, participate on it, and um, all the information that uh, farmers provide us is kept strictly confidential and. Uh, we only uh, summarize the data, and uh, uh, state totals are averages are uh, published from it. No individual information is published. Why is this important? As far as you know, you're going to have a whole lot of numbers. It's not just going to be a a volume that's put on the shelf. How is this information used? There is probably more than one reason that we need to have this information, isn't it? Right. It's used uh, by uh, several uh, different groups, anywhere from uh, Congress uses it for uh, farm policy, uh, universities use it in their uh, uh, developing extension things, uh, different commodity groups use it. Uh, again, it, it measures how uh, uh, financially sound farms are and the financial health of farming operations, you know, uh, uh, what program should develop or what would have the most impact at helping uh, farming operations? Is it uh, direct aid or uh, what? And this survey helps answer those questions. As we go forward into the year, is this all going to be done in February with the uh, telephone surveys for those that did not fill it out already and send it back? Sure. Uh, basically, we'll be collecting uh, the data from uh, in February and uh, March, and um, then we'll summarize it, and the uh, results will uh, be released in August of this year. Now, what kind of form will they be released in? A release to the public? Are they going to be released uh, to the government, as you said, people that make decisions? And will each state be broken out as a state? Not individually, right? Right. Uh, each state will have the individual results. They'll be uh, made available uh, to the uh, public the way our other uh, survey results are uh, released. And um, uh, it'll uh, be looking for that around mid-August. Now, this is the, the third and final phase of the 2020 Agricultural Resource Management Survey, Greg. Greg Bussler with us, Wisconsin State Statistician. Were the other two phases basically the same thing, or how do these three phases fit together? Sure. Uh, what we do in the springtime is we do the uh, uh, screening phase and basically find out uh, if the farmer is still in operation and what his operating status is and now we kind of find out if they have uh, the things that we're interested in and then uh, phase two is um, more uh, related to the crops 
uh, as far as um, what chemicals are uh, put on uh, specific crops and uh, what the uh, production practices are for those crops. And then uh, phase three, uh, as we've uh, talked about, kind of is the overall farming operation and looks at the uh, overall production and financial uh, conditions. And this year, they've again added some questions on COVID-19. Again, what are some of those questions? And what do they want to know that they think will be informational and important as far as developing farm policy in the future based on what how COVID-19 has affected farms? Uh, basically, did COVID-19 have an economic impact on the farm as far as uh, did the farm receive any... Uh, small business loans or anything like that because of uh, COVID-19, if they had like a, a different uh, business operation, uh, did affect the family's household as far as um, off-farm employment, uh, was a member of the household laid off, uh, that type of thing, uh, did affect the uh, farm's ability to get health insurance. So those are the uh, basic questions they ask uh, related to COVID-19. And Greg, I would say the way we're starting out 2021, there probably will be some questions about COVID-19 in next year's survey as well. I'm sure there will be, yes. So we'll have to wait and see, but I would suspect there will be. Greg Bussler, Wisconsin State Statistician, again talking about the 2020 Agricultural Resource Management Survey. I'm Bob Bosold. Wondering what the weather is going to be like today? Ag meteorologist Stu Muck will join us in moments right here on the Midwest Farm Report. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits like savings on select Ford trucks and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual Insurance recently issued a special dividend to support their auto, home, farm, and business customers to help keep Wisconsin strong. This dividend will pay out over $5 million back to their policyholders. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Are you fairly fit but would love a little edge up? Are you entering middle age with a slowing metabolism and weak core? MSculpt may be your answer. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie is proud to be one of the first clinics in the area to offer this new muscle building technology called MSculpt. It's approved for building and toning abs, arms, butt, thighs, and calves. MSculpt works. One 30-minute treatment can be equivalent to 20,000 crunches or 20,000 squats. It's safe, effective, and painless with virtually no downtime. Sound too good to be true? Visit Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie to learn more. Let your natural beauty shine through. 
View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. All right, a little cleanup over the weekend for a lot of folks in Wisconsin, some more than others. And now, kind of channeling our energies to see what happens on the East Coast. It is time for your Compure Financial Ag Weather Updates. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us this morning. It, it, boy, they are acting like they really got to hunker down all up and down the East Coast. What are what is the forecast model you're looking at say they're going to get? Well, it absolutely is a system like we saw, but there's more moist air building in, feeding it as it heads up into the New England state. So, yeah, they're going to get some snows. Well, probably a little heavier than we had. But when you think about it, Pam, they all live a whole lot closer together in the big cities and, you know, don't aren't able to get the skid loader out and just push a little further out in the field. <laughs> Nowhere to go with that snow. We don't worry about that. In fact, the next several days, we have some really fine early February weather, warmer than normal, and it overall stays dry, high pressures nearby. But keep look ahead a bit. And I expect later Wednesday night, certainly into Thursday, we all see some snow develop. Right now, it doesn't look like a big deal. A couple of inches could be around. But the bigger factor is behind that snow that cold air really settles in. I'm looking at uh, single-digit daytime highs by Sunday and well below zero nighttime lows. All of a sudden, winter in February is going to descend here for the end of the week. I'll have our forecast right after this. Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at ruralmutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. Alrighty, Stu, let's uh, go ahead with that forecast then, please. All right, Pam, that forecast is for a mostly cloudy day today, but I'd also expect the sun may break through now and again. Don't count on a whole lot. We ought to be right around 30 degrees for a high with the north breeze not too strong. Oh, you know, 5 to 10 or so. Still mostly cloudy overnight in the lower teens, 14, 15 degrees. Northwest winds at 5, mostly sunny Tuesday, back to near 30. The northwest winds at 5. I like the sound of Wednesday, mostly sunny, believe it or not, probably around freezing, 32 or so. Winds become south at 5 to 10. It's Thursday with some snow, Pam, a couple of inches around, and then the cold air, the, the bottom falls out for Friday and the weekend, dropping through the teens to single digits by Sunday and next Monday. Be sure to bundle up as we head toward the end of the week. That's really kind of the first nasty snap uh, of really cold weather, though, that we've seen. Yeah, really, it's about the coldest weather we've had all season, so it shouldn't be a surprise. We've got a little head start. Just be prepared. Yeah, exactly. All right, my friend, sounds good. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks. See you then.
Stumach, our ag meteorologist, with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial, your financial partner, committed to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compure.com. Hey, we sincerely hope that you'll visit our website, MidwestFarmReport.com. I just put a story up talking about uh, our large livestock operations in Wisconsin or those that are thinking about expanding in 2021. You really need to know the state regulatory oversight that uh, could impact your farm. They're going to start those conversations tomorrow. It's up at MidwestFarmReport.com now. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There's big discounts during the Kubota sales event February 1st through the 6th at Johnson Tractor in Janesville, Judah, and Harvard. How big? How about up to $5,200 off the Kubota SVL 65 or up to $2,000 off L-Series tractors? The Kubota BX23S has savings of up to $1,600 as well. See Johnson Tractor's Facebook page for details on all the great deals. Johnson Tractor's Kubota sales event is happening February 1st through the 6th in Janesville, Judah, and Harvard. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. Who was your hero when you were a kid? Whether it was Joe DiMaggio or Jackie Robinson. Rosa Parks or Sally Ride. Bogart or Brando. You're just the right age to do something important that you can be remembered for. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, or beyond, you can register to become an organ and tissue donor. Surprised? You shouldn't be. Today, people of all ages and even with health conditions can sign up to donate the gift of life. And it's so important. Every age, every ethnicity is needed. If we all signed up, imagine the lives we could save. The families we could help. So whether you admire John Wayne or James Dean, Robert Redford or Roberto Clemente, Elvis Presley or Ella Fitzgerald, do something important that could make a real difference and change lives. Get the facts today and register to become an organ donor. Find out how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. The best thing that can help an American family's finances right now is a new mortgage loan. I can provide you with big monthly savings, skip a payment, and get cash in your pocket. Interest rates are crazy low. It couldn't be easier. You know, if you call me, you're going to do a mortgage loan if you qualify. Educated mortgage, smartest way home. Call Dan, the mortgage man. NMLS number 222-652. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are things many of us take for granted. But for many adults with disabilities who are elderly or have serious medical issues, dental care is simply unaffordable. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to just see one of the many patients in need. You can literally change a life. When you volunteer with DLN's donated dental services program to C1, you treat a pre-qualified patient in your office at your convenience. We handle the details so you can focus on the care. Lack of dental care can lead to the inability to have life-saving surgery, eat, or contribute to our community. If you are a dentist or know a dentist, please share this message. Will you see one? Visit willyouseeone.org to help change one life in your community today. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, 
diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. When someone breaks important safety rules and drives negligently, a crash is often the result. If you're caught in a crash because another driver broke the rules, it can feel unfair. And for good reason. It's not fair when you're injured through no fault of your own. It's not fair when your life is now very different. We can help. At Clifford & Rihala, after decades of helping people injured because someone else broke the rules, we know what you're going through. And we're ready to stand by you. Here you'll find caring, compassionate attorneys committed to helping you recover everything you've lost. If you've been in a crash, call Clifford and Rihala for a free consultation on your injury claim. We'll fight to make things right so that now you're treated fairly. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. At some point, you know what? They, they, got, they don't have bronze salary anymore. They have to have money somewhere. I mean, this, it's a joke to say, that, oh, we've got to cut staff. Okay, I understand they may, maybe can't go sign another Christian Yelich, but why can't they go get a guy like Josh Turner? What, what, what is stopping them? I mean, and by the way, signing him to a four-year deal worth $60 million is pretty safe because I'm guaranteeing you at least two of those four years, he's going to be pretty successful. Fuller, I think the thing that's, and this is what we, this is what we have been told, and will continue to be told, and there is truth to it. Obviously, is the Brewers, as the small market that they are, rely heavily on you know ticket sales through the gate, people's butts in the stands, and all that money, right? So when they don't have that. They don't get money. Unfortunately, if there was a salary cap, I mean, it'd be better, but since it's the have and the have-nots right now, the Brewers are a have-not. And hell, Rowdy, didn't uh, David Stern or uh, Mark Adonazio say when they made it all the way to one game before the World Series that they actually lost money that year? Yeah, but then that was also, if you remember, that was when they were putting up their... That same year was when they redid all their stuff yeah. in. So uh, Fuller, that's, the, that's what they're going to tell you. Maricopa County. Right, no, I, I, I mean, I, I get that that's what they're going to say, but just... As a businessman myself, hell yeah, wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't putting mo- better quality players on the field return their your investment by putting more seats in the or more fans in the seats? I mean, that seems pretty logical, right? Like logic does no, better, logic no longer applies if from twenty twenty to twenty twenty one. Better people are going to pay a premium for it. And yeah. if, you, if you look at what the Brewers have done since Mark Ananasio bought the team, I. Th- if I remember correctly, they've only taken a loss like one season or else he's made a lot of money on teams that for some good chunk of his tenure with the Brewers haven't been very good. Also, Mark, I'm, 
Adonacio has made a lot of money in his life, which means he's really good at accounting. And you you know they're fudging the numbers saying they're taking a loss. There's no there is no way that they're taking a loss. If you're taking a loss, you're not running a business and you're gonna close the business down. I, it, there's no way they're taking a Fuller, loss. you're not a Fuller, you're not a businessman, you're a business man. Right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Fuller. I don't know what to expect from the Brewers this coming year. It's going to be one of those crapshoots, right? It's like you're at the you're at the casino and you're on a heater and you got one roll left in you and you hope you come up lucky, right? And I'll say this: I'm with you. I, I was hoping they would spend some money this year because they're you not, got you got not. Braun off the off the books. That saved them just eleven million dollars in itself with his buyout. You have Christian Yelich making just fourteen million dollars this year, and then all of a sudden next season he's going to shoot up to twenty six million because that extension kicks in. Well, I mean, like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're gonna spend money, this is your year to do it because No, they're not. I mean I agree with you guys, but they're not gonna do it. Well, I, they, they don't have I, I, anyone I in the be, stands. They don't have any money coming in. They're going to say that because of COVID nineteen, we've taken a financial hardship on, and then they'll say that we have to cut more. That's what's going to happen. And your best two pitchers you're going to have under under salary for less than ten million dollars in Woodruff and Hader. I mean, so, the time is, is now, but COVID's the excuse. And and Burns and Burns. Let's not forget about Cor- Corbin Burns. I yeah. mean, he was one inning away from being a Cy Young potential winner. And let's let's okay. The thing is, talk it is, through, baby. Talk it through. Yep. The thing is, is if you can just get one more piece, one more piece. <laughs> seriously, the NL Central this year is going to be the down. NL Central is very winnable. If you get one more piece in your infield that can hit, you know you're not you're going to have a better season out of Yelich. You're going to have a better season out of here. It's just it's impossible for them to get worse. Chances are you're probably going to have a pretty good year in comparison with uh, Omar Narvaez. You get one more piece that can just put the ball in play, maybe hit you a few dingers, you're going to be sitting in a position where you're going to compete again. And really, what, all, what more can you ask for? I mean, that's all you, really, that's well, all you can really ask for. I mean, for. yeah, I want them to spend more money, too. I think if you look at it financially, it, outside of this COVID excuse, they have a great window this season to sign guys to bigger deals because you have a lot of guys on cheaper deals. You have a lot of guys that have some upside where if they do hit – you're going to be a much better team. And then you look at the division, Pirates. Do you guys honestly I, I, think they'd be spending money? I don't know if the Pirates have a win total low enough for people <laughs> not to bet the under looking at that roster. They're bad. Agreed. The Cubs, Cubs are, are also bad. looking like they're trying to get out of a lot of those contracts. The Reds are still kind of in, in a limbo where it doesn't area. know if they're going to pay or not. And what are the Cardinals? And, and the Cardinals are somewhat trying to acquire people. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Sunshine today, 28 are expected high. Sunshine tomorrow and 30 degrees. Pretty mild all week. In fact, so mild by the time we get towards the end of the week, we've got the possibility of a little freezing rain in our forecast. I'm Pam Youngke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Monday. So today is the first day of February. On this day back in 1860, Ma and Pa Ingalls got married. Charles Ingalls married Carolyn Quinner in Concord, Wisconsin. They were the parents, of course, of noted Wisconsinite Laura Ingalls Wilder, author of the Little House series. I think everybody thinks they're from Minnesota, but in reality, 
their roots right here in Wisconsin. On this day in 1875, the first German kindergarten was built in Milwaukee. First German-language kindergarten opened in Milwaukee on this day in 1875. On this day in 1950, Curly Lambeau resigned as head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Where did he go next? To the Chicago Cardinals. He resigned after months of fighting with several influential members of the team's board of directors. Curly Lambeau resigned on this day back in 1950. And now you know. We want you to know that Wisconsin is going to see a wolf hunt return, but it's not coming as quickly as many Wisconsin farmers that have been impacted by wolf predation would like it to. Josh Gramlin's just around the corner with that story in a moment. So if you are involved in agriculture, chances are you're connected to technology. The farm equipment that you use is connected to technology. But how do you fix that technology, and who has the right to fix that technology. It's being discussed now, and the Association of Equipment Manufacturers is keeping an eye on it. It's called the Right to Repair, and it's being debated big time in agriculture circles at the local, state, and national levels. Kurt Blades is the Senior Vice President of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, and he says it's really an important topic that rural America has to pay attention to because it covers more than just farm equipment. Legislation that has been proposed in some states, actually we're up to about 30 right now, that are requiring manufacturers of digital equipment to provide repair and diagnostic information, including access to the source code to independent repair shops. If we want to think about it very specifically, many of you all carry an iPhone. And if you carry an iPhone, it is a whole lot better if that iPhone is fixed at an Apple store or at an Apple authorized store. The digital right to repair issue is very much driven around personal electronics, but it does have its tentacles in lots of different areas, including home appliances, medical equipment, off-road highway, boats, snowmobiles, ATVs, and more. Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. The bills in the 30 different states he referred to might be a little different from each other, but basically he says they're all about the same topic. In some cases, it is broad-reaching, as I mentioned before. In some cases, it targets specific segments. In all cases, it tends to look exactly the same in terms of what it is offering up. It is saying that independent repair shops and end users should have access to the source code, along with all of the diagnostic information and all the materials that are available for them to repair their equipment. Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers says he believes that the legislation's got good intentions, but it's going to create some real problems. We believe very strongly, and we've got testimony from our friends at Nebraska Tractor Test Lab, as well as leading experts in health and safety and equipment health and safety, are all on the same page that modifying equipment put farmer safety at risk if the machines are modified. And the other thing that is important to note is it provides an avenue to bypass regulation. So let's remember today, a lot of our farm equipment is based on digital technology, a computer chip that helps that motor to run efficiently. And then let's think about all the software that farmers rely on within that cab to gain different information. Well, Blade says that much of the push for the right to repair legislation isn't coming from agricultural groups. He says when you open up the source code or modify a machine, 
it does provide a way to bypass safeguards built into the machinery. He says that if there was an accident, the responsibility typically moves up the line to the dealers or manufacturers instead of the farmer that made those changes. It is not typically farm groups. It is typically led by a loose association of folks that are largely driven by big tech companies, specifically those big repair tech companies such as iFixit or other groups that are really trying to get access and very much supporters of an open source piece. Kurt Blades with the Association Equipment Manufacturers says a lot of manufacturing groups are trying to be proactive on this right to repair discussion. And in fact, effective the beginning of 2021, they made some changes on their own. Effective January 1 of this year, all major equipment manufacturers have agreed to make manual service diagnostic information, fleet management information, onboard diagnostics, electronic field diagnostic service tools, and other materials have all agreed to make this available to the end user, to the farmer, so they can have the ability to repair their own equipment. That's why we say this is kind of a non-issue. Kind of an interesting situation because you know farmers obviously would like to be the do-it-yourself kind of folks, but uh, as Kurt Blades points out, that can run into some real entanglements when it comes to the farm equipment industry. We'll kind of keep an eye on the right to repair discussion. Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin Soybean Community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. On Friday in Chicago, barrel cheese remained unchanged at a dollar thirty-nine. Forty-pound block cheese unchanged, one fifty-seven and a half. Double A butter dropped two and a quarter cents. Finished the week at a dollar twenty-four and a half per pound. In overnight electronic trade this morning, February milk is up a nickel at fifteen forty-one a hundredweight. March milk is down seven at sixteen fifty-seven. April milk currently up four cents, sixteen eighty a hundredweight. Corn, beans, and wheat all trading higher right now. March corn's up almost eight cents at five fifty-four. December new crops up three and three quarter cents at four forty-nine. Soybeans for March they're up five and a half right now at thirteen seventy-five. November new crop beans up seven at eleven fifty. The July new crop wheat up almost two cents right now at six forty-four bushel. Talking about prices, the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service says in December, the average corn price, $3.80 a bushel. That was up 23 cents from November, 24 cents higher than December of 2019. Soybeans were averaging 11.10 a bushel in December, up 70 cents from November, and $2.62 a bushel higher than December of 2019. Oats were also up 41 cents compared to November, but 9 cents below December of 2019. If you've been shopping for hay, see if these numbers ring true. Alfalfa hay in Wisconsin was averaging about $178 a ton in December, down $18 from November, $64 a ton less than December of 2019. And milk. The average dairy producer in December was paid $18.10 a hundredweight, according to the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service, down $4.60 from November, $3.30 a hundredweight less than what they were paid for milk in December of 2019. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. 
Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. More farm news straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When you're having your vehicle worked on, the last thing you want to hear is, trust me, it's bad. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. At Tom's Auto Center, we'll show you the proof of the matter. We share photos of damaged or loose parts that's causing the problem. So you know exactly what you're paying for. Tom'sAutoCenter.com Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter, fix, getter, done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Need to schedule plumbing, HVAC, or electrical service, but are too busy to call during the day? The Dave Jones team makes scheduling convenient. Just text them and get connected directly to their service team. Send them a text at the same number you'd call, and Dave Jones will promptly get you on the schedule. After all, Dave Jones is your trusted service partner. Dave Jones. DaveJonesInc.com. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Here we use a lot of F-words, food, fiber, and farming. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. To put it simply, there is a lot of gray area when it comes to gray wolves in the state of Wisconsin. Now, follow me here because I don't want to get too far into the woods with this, but here's what you need to know. The gray wolf was delisted by the federal government earlier this year. They were taken off the endangered species list, and then the management of Wisconsin's wolf population was given to the Wisconsin DNR. They announced that there was going to be a wolf hunt kicking off November 6th of this year. Some state lawmakers decided that they wanted to have a wolf hunt sooner and begin one in February. Because of the pressure from lawmakers, the state's Natural Resources Board had a meeting and then they decided against having an immediate wolf hunt and Wisconsin Farm Bureau has expressed their disappointment with that decision. Tyler Wensloff is the Director of Governmental Relations at Wisconsin Farm Bureau. He joins me right now. So Tyler, you attended this hearing that took place on the 22nd. How did the wheels fall off on this entire thing? So after four hours of testimony, uh, of which the Wisconsin Farm Bureau gave theirs. Uh, that was part of my task on Friday. The Natural Resources Board voted 4-3, to three, uh, with the chair, Doc Crane, being the deciding vote to postpone the hunt until the full plan that the DNR has put forward in taking public testimony, uh, consulting with the tribes, has been executed. Uh, unfortunately, this is you know a blow to Wisconsin's farmers and ranchers who 
we're looking forward to actively managing wolves for the first time in six years. You know, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau was disappointed with the NRB and them deciding to ignore state law. Uh, we believe the law is clear and requires the DNR to actively manage wolves once federal protections are removed, uh, meaning, meaning a, uh, holding a wolf hunt yet this winter. Why we were disappointed with the decision, uh, the DNR seems to be moving forward to revive the state wolf committee in an effort to uh, modernize the state management plan. And we hope to provide a voice for farmers there. All right. So just so we're clear, the DNR is saying that they need more time to start planning this hunt. Ryan Klusendorf, who is a Taylor County dairy farmer and has had some animals killed by wolves, testified at this meeting. And he said that the DNR has had plenty of time to start planning a hunt and managing the population of wolves. You said the same thing, and you also explained that there were uh, acts passed in 2011 and 2019 that provided the necessary steps for DNR to move forward with the hunt this winter. So why the cold feet? This all started back in 2019, March of 2019. The uh, Department of Interior and USFWS uh, posted the wolf delisting rule for comment back in March of 2019. And from that period, the DNI knew that the delisting was imminent and a possibility within, you know, a matter of months. Um, It took all the way until October of 2020 when the Department of Interior announced in Minnesota that the rule was going to become final in... Uh, January 4th of 2021. So even uh, back in October of last year, the DNR could have moved forward with a public outreach plan to consult with the tribes, to hold public testimony, to start setting quotas. They have all the scientific information that they need to start setting these quotas, but still they they remain flat-footed. And so January 4th came about, and the, the wolves were removed from federal protections. And um, we believe the statutes are quite clear that the DNR could move forward actively managing a wolf hunt. And that means, you know, holding the wolf hunt. Uh, unfortunately, they've decided that they are going to re-debate the issue in the public and go through a plan of uh, public testimony rehashing the wolf debate that we had eight years ago now. They've, uh, so it was the uh, hope that the NRB would hold a, this hearing on Friday and direct the DNR to hold the wolf hunt yet uh, this winter. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen, and now Wisconsin farmers are left with this gray area when a uh, depredation happens on their farm. Who will pay for those animals? Tyler Wensloff, Director of Governmental Relations with Wisconsin Farm Bureau, is along with us right now. So you just posed an interesting question. Now that everything's kind of in flux, if a farmer were to have livestock attacked by a wolf, not only who would pay for it, but can farmers take the measures needed to protect their animals? My understanding is that that Wisconsin farmers will have the option of legal or lethal force if a depredation is happening. Now, 
that is if they catch him in the act. You know, multiple attacks, you know, happen in the middle of the night. And what happens that following morning? When will our farmers be able to recoup their costs? And will it be in time for them to still stay in business? You know, with everything that's been going on with COVID, the loss of market, market disruptions, farmers right now are hanging on by a thread anyway. You know, a depredation happens could put that farmer over the edge. And with payments now possibly either not coming or delayed until the following year, uh, this is a severe blow to our ranchers and farmers out there who, you know, are just one threat away from losing it all. I want to go back to something that you talked about at the beginning of this interview. You were talking about some of the tribes here in Wisconsin giving testimony against a wolf hunt. So it really seems like there's two very distinct arguments that went head to head. One is the dairy farmer that has had his livestock harassed and killed by a wolf, and he's for the wolf hunt. And then there are the tribes that are saying there should be no wolf hunt because they don't believe in wolf management. And it seems like their argument prevailed at this hearing. Is that fair to say? Well, if you were listening to the chair of the Natural Resources, Doc Prane, he, he, uh, Dr. Prane, he, he mentioned that in his, in his uh, vote that the consolidate, consultation with the tribe hadn't happened to the fullest extent that they believe should have happened. And that was ultimately what uh, gave him the reason to vote no on this motion and uh, why we won't have a wolf hunt yet this fall. Um, you know, we believe, and one of the tribes even mentioned this in their testimony, that they've been in uh, consultation with the DNR as far back as October about a possibility of a wolf hunt. Um, you know, moving forward, uh, they were part of the discussions when the state wolf plan was put into effect back in 1999, when it was originally developed, they were part of the discussion when that happened. So um, ultimately, they, they, they could have been a wolf hunt yet this, this winter, uh, and they would have been on strong legal grounds to have that with the idea that the management plan would be re- reworked over the summer with cons- uh, consultation with the tribes. That's Tyler Wensloff. He is the Director of Governmental Relations for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation. Where do we go from here? Well, Wensloff says that Governor Evers has the authority to appoint a wolf committee to re-examine this entire situation. And he is just hoping that Wisconsin Farm Bureau or any sort of agricultural...